Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast of In-Depth with Beth and Seth from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. It is wonderful to be with you, and I am so happy that you are taking these 20 minutes of your life to sit and listen to us talk to each other. It is fun to do, and I'm glad that you might find some meaning from this. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater here at Plymouth Church, and I'm joined by... What's your name again? You oh, are nice to see you too, uh, Seth. I, I I feel like we've met before. It rhymes with your first name. Beth Hoffman Faith, my friend and colleague. I am glad to be with you again for the we've been doing this a while now. We have been doing it for a little while. I don't know what number we're on, but we might want to check that. Hello, everyone. It is always good to be with you. And even when he's giving me a hard time, it's nice <laughs> to be with you too, Seth. <laughs> Uh, so, so we're we, talking about the sermon from yesterday, which was May 16th. Seth, tell us what it was and who preached it. We are talking about a sermon preached by our colleague, Dwayne Davis, called A Journey in Love Through Spirit, colon, The Stewardship of Community. Another colon title, which I think you had one last week, right? I did indeed, yes. Oh, I feel like maybe I should come up with one next week, but I don't have one yet. Anyway, we are continuing our conversation about stewardship, and this time the stewardship of community, which is a very important part of this larger theme, I think. So yesterday was actually Ascension Day in the Christian calendar, not one we talk about much at Plymouth. The Ascension of Jesus is not really inherent to our tradition. But the scriptures from the Revised Common Lectionary do address the ascension. So this Acts text, chapter one. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Acts chapter one, verses six through 11. This is pretty short, five verses about Jesus' ascension and has the disciples gazing heavenward as Jesus moves on up, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a direct translation from the Greek. Jesus moves <laughs> on up. up. <laughs> yep. And if anybody's not singing a TV theme song from the 70s at this moment, I'd be impressed. Yeah, we don't talk about Ascension Sunday very much at Plymouth. Why is that? Is it it doesn't fit into the general theology of the place or is it too? Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Trick question. Well, I just think that it becomes maybe too literal for our congregational Mm -hmm. brains and particularly those of us who lean in a progressive theology christianity kind of way whether or not jesus bodily rose into heaven post-resurrection maybe just isn't something we want to spend a lot of energy around trying to figure out what that means to us yeah and especially as we talked about right after Easter, that we this is not a place that puts a lot of energy, I don't think, into a bodily resurrection. That seems to be a bit uncomfortable. But church cultures kind of lean this way. But before we even get into the sermon, Dwayne, uh, at the beginning, which I, I really appreciated, and you mentioned earlier that you had too, thanked the congregation for its prayers uh, when he was gone this, the weekend before, the Sunday before, to be with his family after the death of his oldest sister. And, and that was a, that was a, a touching moment of, of community. He thanked us for being in the grieving process with him and said that it it was helpful. Yes, I'm really glad he did that uh, for a variety of reasons. One, just to give people some context, yesterday was the first time um, we've only been live streaming on Sunday mornings for three weeks. feels like longer than that, but it's only Mm -hmm. been three weeks. And yesterday morning, we actually had 
more worship leaders in this in the space than we've had in over a year. Our handbell choir was present. Our quintet is back in person singing. Uh, the jazz trio was there. Philip, of course, and us. And the energy was palpable. It was it was different. It had shifted. It was wonderful to be in a space with other people celebrating worship together. I don't think I, any of us really prepared for that. I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. And even didn't. talking to our tech team afterwards. They were also sort of pleasantly surprised and startled by the difference in the feeling there. And I know that Dwayne had said to me later that it sort of choked him up to be in the presence of live worship music in a way that we haven't been for so very long. And for Dwayne, well, as course, a reminder, we, we have been talking basically to a camera for yes. a year that we've been in the space together and the tech team is there, but we're not talking to anybody. We are looking at a camera. Right. There's people there yesterday. And we recall, you and I recall what it's like to have people in that space, but Dwayne doesn't. He never has. Oh, true. You know, since coming. So I think he was feeling that sort of emotional response. And uh, then when he took a moment to just thank people, I was really grateful for that. I, you know, my dad died two years ago and I never took that opportunity to thank the congregation for their prayerful support from the pulpit because I thought it may not be appropriate or well-received or uh, part of the culture to do so. I, I didn't know. I mean, I'm very personal in my sermons and certainly share a lot of stories, but to see Duane sort of in real life and recognizing that clergy deal with tragedy and grief and sadness and also continue to do what we are called to do in the midst of it. I just appreciated that sort of acknowledgement that Dwayne himself is in a liminal place right now as he continues to process the death of his sister and also carry forth with the work that he's called to do here at Plymouth and sometimes balancing those things make life a bit complicated. I'm sorry you didn't feel comfortable doing that. I, I understand that. I I have not carried loss in that way in my time here, so I don't know what I would do, but I'm sorry that you did not feel like you could. Well, I don't think I, I mean, I think moving forward, I would maybe practice things differently. I know that as transparent as I am in preaching, I also feel there's there's a boundary that one may not want to cross in terms of feeling like the congregation needs to take care of clergy. Yeah. And maybe I was wrestling with that too. Yeah. And it almost sounded like you said earlier that clergy are human beings with lives outside of our workplace. And I want to be careful that we don't spread that around too much. (laughs) we're, We're really superhuman and nothing, you know, Nothing bothers us. And nothing ever happens. We never get sick. (laughs) Our families are always healthy and doing well. And nothing ever goes wrong in our lives. So we are idyllic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Life is (laughs) idyllic. As as people say to me, it's because I know the big guy upstairs, which I'm not sure who they're talking about, but apparently (laughs) I I know him. You lead a charmed existence. Yes. With no, no calamity I, befalling your path. I can control the weather with a phone call to God. <laughs> and uh, I can put in good words as put in a good word with the big guy upstairs, they say. Anyway, we digress. We could do this all day and nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear this. So one thing that 
we don't need to talk a lot about, but I do want to bring up that similar to your sermon last week, we have a reference to something that sounds like an 80s pop song. Dwayne talks about the power of love, which was literally an 80s pop song by Huey Lewis and the News featured in the movie Back to the Future. Now. I actually saw Huey Lewis in the News in you concert did? in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I was a freshman in college. Yes, oh. I did. And I'm sure that he sang The Power of Love at that concert. I'm sure. Huey Lewis and the news i think only have so many songs that we know <laughs> that being probably the biggest one so we are conti- i i have to figure out a way to bring in to the, my pentecost sermon some sort of 80s pop song reference but Dwayne talks begins in this conversation about our current cultural worldwide societal emphasis that we seem to be really leaning into as a world right now on separation, segregation, sorry, and nationalism. And we're seeing that in the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We see it in our own country in the way that conversations are or are not happening. And this is put in contrast with acts and what is what is being said there. And should not surprise us, but maybe it does, that Jesus and his followers were living in a time also steeped in nationalism and segregation. That's not new. They were often on the outside. The empire held a lot of power. There were haves and have-nots. And the disciples, well, they fell into the have-not yeah. space. And, and he points out I think something that I forget often is that the word Lord is not a spiritual title. It is a political title. And the disciples use that for Jesus here, especially Lord. So they are, they are requesting their questions to Jesus are in a political and religious framework and not a spiritual one. They're, they're talking about the work of segregation and nationalism, how to live in that. And as is often the case, Jesus doesn't engage in that part of the conversation. Right. The disciples want to know this power that you're promising us, when do we get it? And how can we use it? And Jesus says, well, that's not for you to know. You will receive the receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You got to wait for this thing to happen. I think that's a great response for any question. Maybe that's how we should start responding <laughs> to people who ask us, when are we coming back in person to worship? That is for the Holy Spirit to decide. Or when my child asks to do something, I'm not really ready to answer. I'm just going to tell her, we're leaving it up to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You'll know when you know. Last night, my daughter kept saying, I want to stay up late tonight. And I said, you have school tomorrow morning. And she said, but I want to stay up late. I should have said, you can stay up late when the power of the Holy Spirit fills you. <laughs> or something like that. Put it back on the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You parent Holy Spirit. But also then, you know, as Jesus is wont to do, he has to reframe things for the disciples in terms of not only is this not for you, this power is not for you to have at your will. It's not about your will, but also this power that you think that you will receive isn't the kind of power that you are thinking of right now. It's not empire power. No. And then, and then Jesus disappears. <laughs> 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 Like that, that's the last thing said. And then poof, gone. Oh, as a side note, my daughter last night called me in after she went to bed and she said she was remembering how her Tia, her aunt had a dog that died. I don't know why it came into her mind. And we have a very old dog. And she said, I remember when Precious died and I'm sad about when, when our dog will die. 
So what will happen? She'll just fall over and then disappear. Mm. And we talk about death with, we don't shy away from conversation of death. And yet I'd never thought that we somehow had to explain that you don't just disappear. I don't know where she got this, but Jesus disappeared like the dog she thinks will happen. The dog will disappear when <laughs> she dies. Well, yes, Jesus ascended to heaven. And I think it's this, the humorous piece of this pericope is that the disciples sort of follow. I imagine like they're following him, gazing up at the heavens and they don't stop staring like, whoa, what happened to Jesus? And then other people come at, into the scene and say, why are you looking up? Yeah. What, why, why are you looking up? Well, that's where Jesus is. Oh. I knew a guy in high school who used to go to the mall and go stand in the middle of like the food court or the big gallery area and just stand there and look up until there was a sufficient number of people gathered around all looking up with him. And then he would walk away. Hmm. And just leave a crowd staring up where he was staring at nothing, which I imagine the disciples sort of felt like. Yes. Well, there was a, he was here and that. <laughs> and then he wasn't. Yeah. He, and... he told us, <laughs> he told us the Holy Spirit was coming. So these two things, I think to me, this is the crux of this sermon, right? Is this charge of you will receive power and it's the power to love. It's the power of love. It's not empirical power. It's not power uh, to change political systems. It's not power that you can wield to so that some people might have and others may not. You as a disciple, you as a follower of Jesus are given the power to love. And that is what will eventually create the change that we seek. But also, I can't stop thinking about the disciples just sort of looking up, you know, in that day's sort of state, like, what do we do now when the world, when the reality is out in front of them. I mean, I think that's, to me, that's one of the reasons why the scripture writer puts that little piece in there is to change your focus, disciples, move your gaze to the reality of the world, which isn't up, it's out in front, it's behind, it's around, you know, live in reality, not in what might be, but what is now. It is what Dwayne says is, it is a prompting that stops us from looking upward and compels us to take a journey of love through the Holy Spirit so that we nurture not a desire for heaven, the up, nor to protect what we have secured, but for communion and connection with those that we'd rather not know or love. This is the stewardship of community to which the Holy Spirit invites us and makes possible. Those disciples were, Jesus left them. And they were looking for that leadership, but what they were left with was community. Each other. Well, imagine that. And out <laughs> of that community, then the charge to go out and change the world through and because of the love that they have known through Jesus. You know, now they have to emulate what Jesus practiced. Oh, that's so much harder. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's what we have to do too, Seth. Still us. Yes, it's up to us. One of my favorite lines in the sermon is they will be filled with and animated by a love that makes them stewards of the reign of God and God's beloved community. And this is the love that creates community, the most powerful and effective antidote to segregation and nationalism. Mm -hmm. Amen. When are we going to get that? When are we going to understand that? When we make it. And I, I don't mean you and me. I mean, when we collectively realize that it's ours to do. We continually, no matter how democratic we think we are, we are continually putting this on. You fix this. You you do this for us. No, it's on us. We have to do it. 
Well, and once again, Dwayne doesn't tell us how to do that. Come on. (laughs) Because. Where's the handbook? Yes, exactly. Where's the handbook? But what he does suggest and what I think those of us, most of us already know is that the power of love is much greater in community than trying to do it isolated and alone. And if you don't believe us, just listen to Huey Lewis and the news (laughs) and you will be convinced. Sorry to ruin your wise words with a bad Huey Lewis joke, but it, it the Holy Spirit compelled me. Blame it on the spirit. Thank you all for being with us for this little bit of time this week. It is We'd love to hear from you. If you ever have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us both via the Plymouth.org website. Thank you. Be well. <laughs>